What up, what up, what up? Welcome back to Sam Dunks, the weekly NBA show over at Slab Stocks. I'm your host, Sam. We are almost through the first round of the NBA playoffs. There's been a lot of good action so far. Today, I am joined by Slab Stocks Nate. He jumped on so that we could talk about uh, mostly the Bucks, but also a number of other of other matchups and other things that we've seen from various players. It was a fun conversation, a lot for you in there. So uh, let's just jump right into it. Joined by Slabstocks Nate. Uh, thanks for joining me, Nate. Hey, yo. Happy to be here. Here to teach you a little bit about basketball. Yeah, I haven't talked. I haven't talked hoops in a while. You know, I spend. I love. You know this. I love NBA and I love NCAA hoops. But uh, when you just fo- like you love MLB, but when you just focus on one for doing content, yeah, it goes out the window. That's true, and. And you guys don't, most people don't know this about Nate, but Nate thinks that the NCAA is the purest form of basketball and NBA is trash. <laughs> I did used to think that. <laughs> I know you did. Oh, up, old man take. <laughs> I, did, I, I did used to think that. But uh, there's only so many games you can watch Kansas play, you know, Oklahoma State, and they score 65 to 63 and be like, wow, that was good basketball. There's only so many brick threes you can watch and, uh, miss layups and then it, you know it gets worse from there when you go to like the big 10 and it gets worse from there when you go yeah, to dude. you like that <laughs> it gets worse from there when you go to like you know high school basketball and a lower so well it's just you think about the skill level it's like you have those couple players on each college team that are just really good and make shots and you know if there's even a player on that team it's like obviously brad davison for wisconsin he's not that guy but but in the NBA, every guy on the court is that guy from his college. So, yeah, it's just the skill level is so much better and a lot less bricked shots. And that's always fun. Yeah. But. It's nice to, it's, it's fun to watch scoring, which is why it's fun to watch the Bucks. You know, back in the day, Bucks would dunk once a year if you were lucky. And, <laughs> you know, outside of Michael Red is like, wow, this is depressing. And now watching the Bucks, it's like, yeah, I enjoy watching them blow out a team 140 to 130. Well, we'll, we'll get we'll come back to the Bucks. Uh, so thank you for joining on. Um, it's an honor to have a crossover episode. Dinging corners, Sam Dunks. Sam Dunks. So, uh, all right, I have the uh, the conference uh, or the uh, the uh, playoffs bracket on the screen. There, we got. Utah versus Memphis. Utah's leading the series two to one. We've had a few bright moments from John Morant, although it wasn't his, uh, what was it, 46 points, I think, that he scored the one game. Uh, they didn't win that game. They won the first game. Uh, Utah certainly looks like they've been there before. You can tell that the Grizzlies are uh, they're a young team, and, and they kind of let things slip away near the end of the game. So they have a lot of growing to do, and, you know, that's okay. It's, this is not a, a – nail in their coffin for their for their franchise or for jaw or anything like that they're so young they're this is jaw's second year most of them are just still learning how to play together so uh that series utah two to one i'm sure utah's gonna win it clippers dallas we'll come talk about this more in a little bit tied two to two just total roller coaster of a series dallas won the first two games handily it was like oh we're going for a sweep here lakers or the clippers just handled them the next two games it's so funny you know i was um tai Lu. 
he's like, uh, you know, he said that, uh, well, we, we lost these games at home. Uh, we'll have to see how the Mavericks can handle uh, their home court. And when he said that, I was like, is, is there a road advantage in the NBA? <laughs> like, Apparently. both teams play worse on the home court. And then that's exactly what happens. So that was crazy. We'll talk more about that in a little bit. Denver, Portland, man, it's just another roller coaster series where uh, there's good players on both sides of the court. And there's also been some underperformers, particularly on the Denver side and two to two. I, I think I talked about it last a couple weeks ago that I wouldn't be surprised if Portland won that series. Um, but you know, Portland has a lot of firepower. It's tough for Denver to keep up if they're not hitting their shots. And missing Jamal Murray is just tough. It is. And if Michael Porter Jr., well, Michael Porter Jr., he had three shot attempts the other night. Um, and they were playing they were playing uh Marcus Howard in the playoffs. Yeah. Like what's I going mean, on here? It's uh it's rough for Denver. They get they're gonna. This is one of those things where they'll look back. Jokic really struggled. Michael Porter Jr. was playing soft. He wasn't get. He wasn't even taking any shots or anything. And and people weren't even really giving him the shot attempts. I'm not sure what's going on there. They're gonna come back out next game and feed him probably. You know, ten field goal attempts in the first quarter or something like that. Something obscene just to get him going. And and that'll probably right the ship. And you know, should help Jokic too. So yeah, we'll see how Denver responds. Uh, Phoenix Lakers series tied two to two. CP3 went down, looked like, oh, no, the Lakers are going to walk away with it. Uh, but Phoenix just won the other day. Anthony Davis is down. Doesn't look like he's going to play game five. Now, all of a sudden, Phoenix is favored in game five uh, by Vegas anyways. Uh, that's a good series. Two really good teams. You know, if, if the Lakers are fully healthy, they're one of the best teams in the league. But if Anthony Davis is out and it falls on LeBron, that's going to be tough. And the Phoenix, I love that team. Super fun, young squad. You get CP3 just leading them all up. Uh, a lot of fun there. Uh, Philly, Washington, much less interesting series. I'm certain that Philly's going to sweep. Uh, is that tonight? It's uh, it's Memorial Day when we're recording this. Salute the troops. Game uh, four, 531. So, yeah, game four is tonight on TNT. I'm sure the Sixers are going to win that. Knicks, Atlanta. Atlanta up 3-1. to one. Trey Young. My boy. I love that guy. Hey, I've always said you're a big Big 12 basketball fan, so. If there's anything that people say about right. me, it's it's that, yeah. Um, um, one quick thing about this series. I see a lot of people uh, mocking the Knicks yeah. on Twitter, left and right. Like, oh, Knicks, classic, classic Knicks. But I feel like it's a little unfair because, okay, no Mitchell Robinson, right? This is Julius Randle's first time being, like, the guy on a team, leading a team to the playoffs. That's a lot of pressure. Sure. Uh, and then you have Obi Toppin and RJ Barrett are young. Um, and so it's like, it, in my mind, it seems like the Knicks are like kind of old and probably not, not a four seed, but they've got some young, young pieces that could grow into a quality team. I feel like it's unfair to clown them for this. Yeah. Plus, you know, they're, they're kind of set up classically to be a regular season team. Although I, I didn't know how the series was going to go. I, I think I said three weeks ago that the Knicks could probably win it. And then two weeks ago, I said the Hawks probably win it. Pulled a little fast one on people there. Uh, you know, I, you know, the Knicks, it's like when you're playing with Tom Thibodeau, it's like tough defense, player dudes, like 38 minutes, 39 minutes. And when you're in the regular season, that works pretty good. Once you get to the playoffs and everyone's playing their starters, like 39, 40 minutes, and you don't have that like four or five minute advantage over the, the bench units of the other team. Yeah, it really changes things. 
Uh, and Trey Young's just a dog out there. Did you see him after that game two loss? Oh, yeah. He's like, uh, I'll see. I, I'm trying to do the symbol that he didn't look like an idiot. But he's like, I'll see you in the A. I was like, yes, dude. And then they went and won the next two games. I love that. He was, he was, he was living it up uh, with those fans in New York. Oh, yeah. Hey, Trey, I mean, Atlanta's a great basketball town, great sports town. But uh, there's something about a guy going to Madison Square Garden like Trey Young and uh, and getting, you know, on that stage in front of, uh, you know, Spike Lee and everyone else. It's just like it just hits a little different. And I'm happy for, for Trey Young and for Atlanta. That That's a fun team. They got a lot of good pieces and mm-hmm. they sh- they're looking pretty good at the moment. Uh, next game. We'll talk more about this in a second. Milwaukee Bucks. I don't know if you saw it. <laughs> I don't know if you noticed on this, on the bracket here, the only team that's advanced so far, no big deal. We'll talk no about deal. That in a second. And then Brooklyn beating Boston. I'm sure that tomorrow when this airs, I'm sure tomorrow is probably gonna, Brooklyn is going to be moving on to face Milwaukee. So uh, shout out Jason Tatum. That dude's. Yeah. Well, he's the he's one man band right now. And the only guy. He's scoring a lot, anyways. So, what did you uh, what did you think about the Bucks Heat series? Oh wow, was that? I mean, the first game, right? Struggle, struggle the entire way. Shoot sixteen percent from three, still win. That would never have happened last year. It would never have happened the year before that. The Bucks would have just wilted. So to win that game, you're like, oh, this is beautiful. And then you had no fear. I I had no fear after that point. Once you know, they, they won that game, yeah. When when uh to survive a Duncan Robinson game in game one and and the Bucks to shoot sixteen percent from three and still win by two, it's like, okay, this is a lot different than last time around. Last last year's series, we lost four games to one to the Heat. Nate and I are Bucks Bucks fans. I'm sure people know that, but. Uh, we shot. We had the same exact team three point percentage this series as we did last series, down to the tenth of a des- of a you know tenth place. It was like I can't remember what it was like twenty seven point eight percent or something like that. Ooh. Still not good. Super, not not super great. I can't remember what the number is. I might be off by like a matter of like five percent, but not super great. Shot the same exact amount, and yet last year four to one Heat's favor. This year four zero sweep of the Heat. Different team. I've been saying this all year, and a lot of people—I mean, no one cares what I say—but you know, just so many people just don't pay attention to the Bucks. Getting Drew Holiday in there, the ability for him to a lock down whoever he's guarding. It could be a point guard. It could be a wing. It could be a power forward. It's like he he bodies up Kevin Durant when we play the Nets. Sometimes it's like he can do that on the one side of the court. On the other end, he doesn't he doesn't need the ball in his hands. He'll average like 19 points, 18 points, something like that. But the big thing is he doesn't need Giannis to create for him. He can create for himself and he can create for his teammates. So last year we needed Giannis to just try and create everything. He kept running into that wall and and not really knowing what to do with it. That was a, a huge weakness. This time around, we have Giannis. He can still create if he needs to, and I'm sure once we're playing against Brooklyn, we're going to be seeing a lot more of that creation on on Giannis' side, but he doesn't need to do everything because you have Drew Holiday dishing out like 16 assists the other night. I mean, the dude is such a good two-way player. Chris Middleton just super steady, averaging like 50, 40, 90 through the playoffs so so far. 
Uh, you know, he's just been awesome. Giannis, the the Heat, they're always going to be pretty good defensively against Giannis. And I can't remember what he averaged points wise, like twenty points or something like that through the the four games. He didn't have to be the top dog offensively though, because there's a lot of good players around him on this Bucks squad. I'm so happy. And I mean, that doesn't even bring up, you know, I mean, obviously we lost Dante foot injury, but that doesn't bring up like Bobby Portis, who's in a beautiful role for himself. Yeah. Like a bench big and PJ Tucker. Who's just, he can guard anybody. Yeah. Just to throw him out there and just to stifle an opposing player for 10 minutes at a time. If you need to super nice. And we're not going to get, they're not the bucks. They said, we, I have a mouse in my pocket. I'm talking collectively. We here, we, the Bucks. you know, they, they don't have to be, they're not going to be out muscled by most teams. They're not going to be out toughed by most teams. Like obviously Brooklyn's going to pose like a huge problem for the Bucks, but the Bucks might be the best team in the league to, to deal with it. So if the Bucks lose to them, I'm, I'm sure Brooklyn will just go on through, uh, and probably win the championship, but uh, I don't know. It's going to be a good series. I, you can probably tell I'm super happy about the way that series went. And oh, look, yeah. you know, the Heat, I got a lot of, uh, I know a lot of Miami people I'm friends with. I consider good friends. I'm not going to like belabor the point. I don't want to, you know, offend anyone or make anyone feel, you know, rub their, rub the dirt in their wounds or anything like that. But it's like, look, you know, the Heat went up against a squad that had better star power better depth, better coaching. You know, the Heat were physically weak, mentally soft. Um, wow, you just went after you, Eric Spolster, didn't you? <laughs> what are you going to do with all that? I mean, the, the Tyler Tyler, Hero, Tyler Hero's dad was being filmed leaving the women's restroom. Uh, <laughs> so right. like, even, even their pa parents were messed up. All right, we got to move on from the Bucks because we just lost all of our viewers. So, well, at least we can at least tell Aaron that we talked about other things. So, uh, hey, I love Miami. I love a lot of Miami people. And uh, I'm just really happy the Bucks didn't uh, roll over like they did last year. So I wanted to look at Bam Adebayo. He was a, one of those performers that really just, you know, was kind of a head scratcher the way he played. Uh, 40 minutes game one, nine points on 15 shot attempts, 12 rebounds, five assists. Uh, game two, 28 minutes, nine, 16 points, 11 field goals, three rebounds, four assists. Game three, 31 minutes, 17 points, 14 shot attempts. Uh, that's eight rebounds and four assists. Then game four, 20 points in 35 minutes. That was on 17 shot attempts, 14 rebounds and four assists. Uh, true shooting percentage, uh, really just kind of average along the way. Uh, pretty bad the first game. Assist percentage, really uh, very solid, like it always is with BAM. 21%, 27%, 28.5%, uh, nearly 21%. So the percent of his teammates' field goals when he was on the court, that's the percent of them that is estimated that he assisted. So uh, that's the one thing with BAM Adebayo. He's always going to be able to to look for his teammates to score and, and be creating for his teammates, which is just so unique for a big uh you watched that series. What'd you think when you were watching Bam out there? I just uh now I haven't watched a lot of Heat this year, but he just seemed super, super, super timid. He was not going at the going to the hoop. Um a couple times in game four, you know, he would he would get the ball down low and actually go up with it. But for the most part, from what I was watching, it didn't seem like he had any interest in going at Brooke Lopez whatsoever. 
um, and was more interested if he was taking shots to take them outside the paint, uh, which is, I mean, he's a pretty good shooter, right? But obviously not the ideal situation for them if one of their best scorers is only taking outside shots. Yeah, they, you know, it was interesting. You know, this is one of the things I really liked about Boot. I don't, hey, for the record, I don't think Budenholzer is a better coach than Eric Holstra. But uh, that was a joke when I said that earlier. But uh, um, Budenholzer has been, he was changing it up through the whole Heat series. And you can see that on both sides of the ball um, with matchups and with what we were running offensively and stuff. Uh, we, again, I got a mouse in my pocket. Um, the, he really had, the defense on Bam reflect what the Heat did to Giannis last year, which is just like sag off of him and say, hey, if you want to shoot, if you want to beat us by shooting, shoot it. We'll wait here in the lane for you when you try and drive. And that's what the Bucks did to Bam. And you could tell it really got in his head that way. It, you know, it really kind of exposed uh, some flaws in his game that, you know, if, if he's not getting downhill, there's just not a whole ton left he, he's going to do offensively. Uh, at least with any regularity, he's still going to be able to to pass the ball around. But yeah, they really got in his head and and uh, kind of messed with them doing that defensive strategy. I still think long term, Bam Adebayo, great player, and he's he's a unique big. It's like he's not gonna he's never gonna be like an awesome rim protecting you know big or anything like that. But as a as a big man that can that can move around on defense and and cover a variety of positions. Uh, that on offense can stand at the the charity stripe and facilitate from from up top, kind of like you know Jokic and um, Demontis Sabonis, some of these other guys. You know, there's very unique aspects to his game. You I guarantee you, Eric Spolster is going to go into the offseason and they're going to be working on figuring out what Bam can do in those types of situations, just like the Bucks did with Giannis and uh, and with Drew and everyone else this season, trying to figure out how to avoid running into the wall. Uh, that we have with Giannis the last two off seasons. So I'm still like super optimistic about Bam Adebayo long-term. Um, he still has a ton of things that make him really unique. And yeah, some things were exposed on him this playoffs, but a lot of people are going to turn against Bam pretty quickly here. And I don't think that, I think that'd be kind of an overreaction. Uh, question for you. Yeah. So you mentioned how, you know, the Heat are suited to stop Giannis, right? They're sure. really good at stopping Giannis and, you know, don't expect to have the same defensive stopping power on any other team that we face going forward. Um, but is there like a team that is uniquely stopped, suited to stop Bam at a bio? Because not many teams have Brooke Lopez down low in a movable object like Brooke and Giannis helping off ball. Right. Um, yeah. No, I, I think, uh, I think the heat would have fared much better if they weren't facing that. That's uh, the, the bucks. You know, in the last two years, we we ran that drop scheme where it was Brooke camping out in the the paint, and I saw a lot of people on online complaining that Brooke was, uh, you know, camped out too long. He should have been getting three seconds, but he does the two point nine thing. Did you see that ever? Did you read that article? He, it's called two point nine. Anytime if a if a player comes near him, he just reaches out towards him, and they call that, you know, they count that as it resets the clock. So as long as he he's doing something like that every two point nine seconds or stepping outside the lane then he can just stay right there. So, you know, that drop scheme, that really works well against Bam. And then you have Giannis uh, that can cover up any miscues that Brooke has, which isn't, there's not going to be too many of those. But then um, at the same time, where in the years past, we would not switch anything and you'd run around screens 
and and then you'd you'd just really depend on Brooke Lopez to to you know eat everything up inside. Uh, the Bucks now they're switching everything on the outside, but they're still playing that drop scheme on the inside. Yeah, that that posed a big problem for the Heat because they rely on those um, those off you know off ball screens and motion out around the wings uh, to get open shooters, and the Bucks weren't really giving them a whole ton of that. And then they just couldn't get in the lane. So, I, yeah, I don't know how many teams uh, would be able to stop Bam the same way. Um, so, yeah, I, I think he'll probably look really good next year and, and people will come back around on him. I wanted to look up uh, his uh, – oops, had the wrong card up here. Look up Bam Adebayo's – here we are at the uh, Slab Sox Pro dashboard. Hey dashboard confessional here. So uh, that's going to be – Opening up here pretty soon, hopefully. Uh, here's Bam Adebayo's three-month look at his Prism Silver PSA 10. Uh, we see just back in the beginning of March, uh, last sold at that time, 665. Most recent sale, 305. Yeah, just huge drop off. And and obviously, we've seen this with a lot of the non-numbered stuff, um, you know, especially base cards, really are dropping off. Um, but this is a little bit more unique with Bam um, because of the huge drop off recently. Look back at the this is crazy. Look at the one year one. Oh wow, three hundred five dollars. Where he's currently sitting, three hundred five dollars, the lowest point over the past year. So last June, uh, as things were starting to start tick up in the in the overall market, three hundred eighty seven dollars. We saw it rise all the way up uh, until August with the bubble. Um, the Miami Heat, you know, he stayed strong all the way through September with the Heat uh, in the playoffs, and then it ticked off, you know, in the off season as everyone else's did, and then really just ratcheted up again uh, heading into the new year, uh, into the end of February or beginning of February, and then we've seen it drop off, and then we just have this plummet right here at the end. So this is this is much different than what we've seen with a lot of other cards. This is you know this is basement level prices for Bam Adebayo, um, and obviously there's just a lot of uh, um recency bias going on there and i do think he's still a super good gifted unique player and and moving forward i like him a lot but yeah he ran into a problem with the bucks and they, they couldn't solve it let's go back let's move on from bucks talk people are tired of it oh how did that get on there um <laughs> <laughs> i'm an idiot <laughs> i'm a funny idiot <laughs> Luka Doncic, my guy, dude. Hey, who are the two most popular players in the NBA? Um, Joel Embiid and <laughs> Kelly Oubre. <laughs> Outside of your your basement where you live, who are the uh, two Le most? Le LeBron, yeah, and and Luka, I guess I would imagine. Well, maybe LeBron okay. and Kevin Durant. Maybe LeBron and James Harden. I don't know. LeBron. LeBron. You think and James Harden. Wow, dude, you're insane. I don't actually think you James Harden. I'd be like thinking Kyrie Irving. No, no. Oh, no. Think last ten years. By far, the two most popular players in the sport of basketball. LeBron. Not like best. I mean, yeah, they're best also, but popular. LeBron. LeBron. And the only guy that has rivaled LeBron in popularity and in star power over the past 10 years. Giannis? Russell Westbrook? Yikes, bro. I'm, I'm drawing a blank. You tell me. Stephen Curry, ever heard of oh! him? Oh, no! Oh, oh no! 
Yeah. Get off the stream. <laughs> yeah. What, uh, what well, in, in, in my defense, I thought about no, the Warriors. No for that. For, what do they, what do they have Brown. in common? What do they have in common? Steph Curry, LeBron James. Changed the way the game's played. Okay. Kind of. Well, maybe not LeBron, but Steph definitely did. Um, forces all on their own. True. And I really think the thing that sets them apart from most other players is if you're like, if you're watching Carl Anthony Towns play, you're seeing him put up like on a good night, 30 points and 16 rebounds or something. You're like, wow, yeah, that was really cool. But it's not like, you know, watching his post game interviews or watching him on the court. It's not like there's like antics or, you know, he's not playing up to the crowd so much. Kawhi Leonard, Paul George, like, you know, go, go around the league. Most of the players almost, it's almost like most players kind of resent the crowd and they, you know, don't really like the, the repliers on Twitter. And, and I don't know, there's just a, a lot of players are super good, but they just don't have that it factor when it comes to building up a fan base. LeBron, his whole career has revolved around like cultivating his image. So he's very good at that. And he's, you know, he's always played up to the fans and, you know, dapped up the stars and stuff like that. Steph Curry is probably the best ever at, at, uh, you know, all the, the antics and the, you know, the things that make people excited and building up that, uh, that fan base. Luka Doncic is right there. Like watching him play against the Clippers over the past week, you've just really seen, like, seen Kawhi on the one side. Like there was a shot, I don't know if it was game one or game two, where he had, uh, you had four of the Clippers huddled together. And then you had Kawhi just, he wasn't, what, not only was he not huddled with them, like trying to figure out what to do, he was just standing over there by himself. It's like, bro, what are you doing? Luka Doncic at the same time is like dapping up the celebs in the front row. He's like playing up to the crowd. He's like eyeballing, you know, whatever Victoria's Secret models in the front row, like no look past 28 feet over to the corner. It's staring, like, down, staring down Pat Bev as he uh, misses yeah. a shot. I mean, it's just the way he plays the game is with so much joy and with so much confidence and and there's just so much flair to it that that you only really get in a couple other guys in the league. And Giannis tries to bring some of that stuff, but it's clearly not supernatural for him. Luka Doncic is so natural. And you can tell that he played professionally in Europe and that he was a big deal in Europe before he came here because here he is only in his third season. He's just, I mean... He is the next face of the NBA. There's, there's just no doubt about it. Like LeBron, we're clearly coming to the end for him. And, uh, and Luca, it's like, get ready for him to be all over everything. He already is, but like, it's going to be even more so. He's, he's been awesome. You know, game one, 31 points, uh, 10 rebounds, 11 assists, awesome triple double, 39 points, 44 points the next game. Last game, 19 points. So they won the first two games, lost the second two games. Now Luca's kind of questionably has a, a nerve uh, problem in his neck. Do you, have you ever had any neck injuries or anything? You oh, don't, you don't even have a neck. <laughs> it's there. It's there, there it is. It's this. Uh, honestly, for a while, I dealt with a uh, a nerve that would go up between my shoulder blade and then up my neck, oh, and so. it would make it so that you like couldn't turn your neck. Yeah, and it was, yeah. it was a chronic chronic issue. So. And I mean, it was a chronic issue where like, I didn't even want to drive a forklift around at Menards while I was in college, right? I can't even imagine having a neck nerve pain in your neck and trying to play basketball. Yeah. 
it's it's rough and you can tell game four he wasn't very comfortable who knows i'm sure he's going to play game five but it's kind of a question at this point um but really and it's just kind of like last year last year they they only won two games you know in the playoffs but what we saw from luca was so good and so promising that it didn't really matter that they got bounced right away this year you see luca out there and man it is even clearer this year that that dude has no one else on his team and we saw the first two games that the Mavericks were shooting like over 50% from everywhere. The last two games, they have not shot that and Luca can only do so much. So it's like he needs some more help on his team, but that dude, he has so much star power, not just like, yeah, I mean, obviously playing cause he just takes the shots with the confidence that you don't see from anyone else, but like his ability to rile up a crowd and to get just, build up a fan base and get people talking about him. That's just unrivaled in the NBA other than maybe Steph Curry, I think. And uh, I, I'm looking at, at Luka Doncic as, as just like, if you, is everything else is kind of slowly diminishing right now in the card market and you want to put your, your, throw your money into a stable long-term stock. It's like, there is no one better than Luka Doncic. He's going to be checking all the boxes for a while. We, uh, as long as he, I mean, by himself, yes. But do you think he gets a second star in there? Outside? Yeah, I mean, I mean, you got to get rid of Chris. Maybe Tops, Kawhi right? Leonard leaves. Well, this is they have they can free up like sixty million in cap room. I think this this off season. So uh, because they built it all for chasing Giannis. It, yeah, they did, and they left it open. They didn't just go spend on something else. So maybe maybe they could uh, oh. end up picking someone up. I have no idea. I really hope that they do. Um, because yeah, he needs someone, and uh, it it could be a really good team. I I don't think I wouldn't be super shocked if unless the Clippers somehow you know really righted the ship and, and went and won the finals or something like that. I wouldn't be super surprised if Kawhi left this off season. He left and Toronto I, after winning the finals. I know, and I've been kind of think. Well, that's true. I've been kind of thinking though that like he'd be like headed over to New York or maybe Miami, but it'd be cool. If you went to Dallas, hey, is Jimmy Butler able to leave Miami too, or is that just no. a thing I made up in my head right here, right I now? Think, yeah, I think so. Oh. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, so Luka Doncic, we have his uh, his rookie green out of one forty nine uh, from Optic. Aaron posted this on Instagram the other day. Six month look here is up over four thousand dollars just back at the beginning of the year. Uh, currently. We dropped down to twenty eight fifty back in the, uh, just a couple weeks ago. Uh, now we're currently sitting at thirty five hundred on the most recent sale. My microphone's in the way of the price here. I got to lean way over May thirty, so uh, you can see a little bit of a jump off this. This is only lifetime eleven auctions, so it's obviously not like the the most attractive chart that we're looking at here. But uh, you know, Luca, good player, where you still have some. I would say relative stability. I mean, even down here, we're still looking at a $3,000 card. It's a huge drop, but we went from 4,000 to 3,000. So relative stability, of course it is numbered. What's your take on, uh, oh, this BGS 9.5, by the way. What's your take on, what should people be doing right now? Numbered, oh. non-numbered, base. Oh, you, got, you, you gotta stay away from numbered. I mean, you're looking at base all over the place. And even for guys, no, I'm a baseball guy. Yeah, right? Non-numbered, you said. You meant. Yeah, non-numbered. So I'm a baseball guy, right? And to an extent, short prints, right? Baseball's big on short prints. You can grab short prints. They're not numbered, but they're they're still really nice cards. Um, I'm a baseball guy. You look at a guy like uh, you know Juan Soto, not playing well. Prices are dropping. Vlad Guerrero Jr. 
playing really well. Prices have dropped from like the height down a little bit. Yeah. Ron Lacuna playing really well. Prices have dropped a little bit. Um, not necessarily numbered cards, but you know, the base, the stuff that has 15,000 pop PSA 10s and stuff like that. And so if you're sitting on any base whatsoever, um, at least what I'm going to do when I get my cards back from PSA and all the cards I have is I'm selling. I'm selling everything that is a base card that is non-numbered and I will put it, I will take all of my cards and put it into one card if I have to of a guy I like, or maybe two that are way more expensive rather than sitting on base cards. Cause you look at, I mean, you, I'm sure if we had prism base PSA 10 prices of Luca, you'd just see a straight drop. Right. And you look at other guys like that, Fernando Tatis playing amazing. His high was like 325 this year. Now they're down under $200. Right. Um, it's just not worth it's it's probably not worth holding on at this point. I guess if you're in for a, in in high on it, you might want to hold on and just see what happens because it's lo- tough losing 100 plus dollars a card. But yeah. Definitely yeah, would want to buy the Luca. But green. if you're if you're buying base and then grading them, chances are you're still making money and I probably well, don't think with it, but you can't you can't grade them right now with PSA. No, and, I mean I mean like if you're waiting for if you've been waiting since last August or something. Oh. Well, you know, I have a fear of that too because I sent in a lot of cards that were fifty to a hundred dollars. Um, Greg must be nice, and they are to to get graded at PSA. And there's a couple that more expensive that I'm not worried about, but those fifty to a hundred dollar range cards, I'm a little worried. By the time I get them back from PSA, a they're not going to be graded tons because PSA is super strict, and I'm going to get like eights also, and B. $17 a card and all of a sudden those PSA 10s are going to be $30 instead of 50 and yeah, you're not making anything. Yeah, it stinks. Yeah, who, who knows? You know, the market shifts all the time. Yeah. Could, uh, could change right back. You know, it's hard to say, but right now the best thing to do, I would say, is look numbered and Luka Doncic numbered cards. Uh, it's probably like the best investment in basketball if you're looking for a long-term hold. Um, what's up next here? Oh. That get in there. Um, I want to talk about Russell Westbrook, and we're already at 33 minutes or something like that. So let's we Go gotta quick. get through because people are dying on the other side, literally. Uh, Russell Westbrook, game one, 42 minutes, 16 points, five rebounds, 14 assists. Game two, 29 minutes, 10 points, six rebounds, 11 assists. Game three, 26 points, 12 rebounds, 10 assists, triple double, triple double master here. Uh, obviously. Most people aren't super excited about Russell Westbrook anymore. And I would say that I would probably say that most people just don't really like him a whole ton anymore. And they're kind of tired of the whole triple double thing. But I do wonder if we've gone too far that direction. And don't get me wrong. I don't think that Russell Westbrook, like playing the way he does, is ever going to be on a championship contender. Because if he's on a team playing like this, He's the straw stirring the drink, and it's just like that's not gonna that's not gonna get a team anywhere, especially over any hump. So it's like, yeah, I understand that's not gonna happen. But the way he's talked about now is just like the butt of jokes and like just kind of a, a meme, you know, on on Twitter and stuff. And he's still like a top thirty player or something like that. I mean, he's still a good player, but uh, we it's just. I think we've gone too far. If there's anything I've known about the internet, I've come to know about the internet and in, in all my years being online, we shift, don't we? Can you hear a beeping over there? 
I'm making ribs for uh, Memorial Day. Oh, nice. And uh, it's beeping because it's telling me I got I to gotta go cover them in foil. I'll do that after this, but I just want to make sure that's not, you can't hear that. Uh, sorry, TMI. I do think coming up in the future, over the next couple of seasons, we will start to flip back and start loving Russell. Like, they'll be like, hey, this has gone on too far. And and it's just kind of like with Carmelo Anthony, how it just got, his his popularity just sunk lower and lower and lower. And all of a sudden it was like, oh, Carmelo, he's fun. We really like him. Oh, people have gone too far on Carmelo. I think that's going to happen with Russell Westbrook. So over the next like year or so, if you see Russ, you know, rookie cards, just like super cheap and generally much lower population numbers than, than we see on rookies today, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like hesitate to buy him because long-term he's going to be in the hall of fame. Yeah. He, he hunts stats and gets triple doubles, but you know what? A couple of years ago when he had his first triple double over the season and won the MVP, that was like among the most exciting seasons by an individual player in basketball that any of us have seen in a long time. Like everyone was rooting for him to get the triple double. Now that he's done it 160, whatever times it's all like, okay, whatever. No one really cares anymore. But uh, I mean, I think eventually we're going to come back around and, and love him once more. You know, it, imagine if like, imagine if Russ signed on with the bucks to be like a sixth man coming off the bench and just put in 25 minutes off the bench like just blitz in the hoop and putting in 20 points and, and, you know, just kind of menacing or terrorizing the other team. Like that would absolutely get him back in people's good graces. And I think we're not too far away from him, uh, you know, assuming that type of role. So uh, just, this is one of my long-term looks here is Russell Westbrook. Uh, we could look at, uh, ah, we could look at one of his cards here. While you're looking that up, I have a question. Oh, sure. I found it very quickly. Never mind. Of course, I found it quickly. Um, three months, eighteen ninety-five. This was just back in March. Now we're sitting at ten twenty-five. You know, so just about a thousand dollars. This is a base rookie PSA ten. Uh, Tops Chrome though, but uh, you know, so he's he's really just clearly not excited too many people for a while. But if we're looking at even further down, you know, basement bottom basement bargain bin prices, I think eventually it's going to right the ship because that's what the internet does. Uh, question for you. So obviously Carmelo was so looked down upon that he didn't even have a spot in the league True. a couple of years ago. That's unlikely to happen with Russell Westbrook. True. Um, but I guess Carmelo kind of has a game that I feel like ages pretty well in that he's big and can shoot. Um, what? Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Russ is a worse shooter than him and also shorter. Well, that's why I'm saying, look, I mean, if Russ is coming in to be a a uh, starting point guard, like, yeah, I don't expect much. But if he's coming in to be a six man and he's playing against like the Jeff Teagues of the world, true. It's like it doesn't really matter how how old he is. He's still he's still going to be putting in a lot of points and a lot of assists in that time. And uh, and I I don't know. That's just just a thought I had. Is we've gone too far on Russ, and uh, eventually the ship will write people. That's just what the internet does. You get to you build you build they build up people too high. You know, think like Giannis last year, two years ago, everyone was like Giannis this, Giannis that. Now this year, everyone's like Giannis overrated. Blah 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 blah. blah. Russ is now like overrated. Blah blah blah. Eventually, it's going to shift back the other direction. So, yep. if you're if you're holding Russ cards, particularly 
I would just wait a couple of years and you probably sell higher than you are right now. Do I have any more slides? It's <laughs> weird. <laughs> Don't know how I got there. <laughs> that got there. Aaron hey. must have put those in. Who is that? I said Aaron must have put those in. He did. He actually made my slideshow for me. So, yeah. all right, we're at 40 minutes. Thanks for joining me. Yeah, thanks for having me. I hope I was a net positive on this whole experience for everyone and not a net negative. It's helpful for me to talk with someone through this stuff. I agree. Well, thank you all for joining on. It was a pleasure, Nathan. It was a pleasure, yeah. the rest of you, and uh, enjoy the rest of your week. We'll see you next week.